to this edition of the ASHRA Podcast. I'm Fred Wyant, Director of Communications with the American Sexual Health Association, ASHA. We're going to talk today about a topic that's been vexing and annoying me for years, uh, namely products, supplements, and the like that make all sorts of dubious claims to cure or speed the clearance of the human papillomavirus, HPV, and related diseases. And you know, this is not limited HPV, of course. Throughout my years at ASHA, we've dealt with similar things, claiming to rid one of herpes, HIV, and, and other infections. But we've been getting a great deal of interest in HPV miracle cures and remedies lately. So we're going to focus there for the moment. And you and I, dear listener, are very lucky in that today we're joined by Dr. Hunter Hansfield, and he's going to help us figure all of this out. Um, Dr. Hanfield's Asher roots run deep. He's a former member of our board of directors. He's, he served two terms, and he's our primary advisor for really all medical and scientific related matters. He's Professor Emeritus of Medicine at the University of Washington Center for HIV and AIDS. For 40 years, he directed the STD control program of the Seattle King County Health Department, and he's seen thousands of patients as attending physician at the Public Health STD Clinic at Harborview Medical Center there in Seattle. And uh, in the last several years, he's had to put up with endless questions and pestering from me even when he's on vacation. And I think yet again today, we're getting him when he's on vacation. So Dr. Hansfield, thank you for spending some time with us. Nice to talk with you, Fred. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So Let's get into it. We receive a lot of questions about HPV and cervical cancer vaccines, including those currently licensed by the FDA, but also some of the off-the-grid products I referenced in the opening that you know really veer off into the realm of the miracle cure and, and the like. So I'm going to ask you about both, but let's start with the vaccine that's FDA approved and that going forward is the one that really is going to be available in the United States, uh, Gardasil 9. All right, so tell us about this vaccine. What does it protect against? So Gardasil, or now Gardasil 9, is the only HPV vaccine, uh, pr protective HPV vaccine currently available in the United States. Uh, it, as the name, the, the inclusion of the number 9 in it reflects expansion of the product from its earlier version that covered four different types of HPV to a version that covers nine uh, types of uh, HPV. Uh, there are over 100, maybe 110 human papillomaviruses, uh, and of those, the majority are often or usually transmitted sexually and involve the genital or anal area predominantly. Uh, but of all that large number, really only nine cause 90% of important human health problems. Seven of those nine in the vaccine are responsible for about 90% of cancers caused by HPV, cervical, uh, anal, uh, genital skin, and uh, throat, certain throat cancers. Um, the other two types in the vaccine, uh, two types of HPV, cause 90% of genital warts. So the vaccine when someone takes the proper dose, that is ideally all three doses, or now in some cases we know that two doses is adequate, uh, they are 100% protected against the particular types in the vaccine, and that amounts to about 90% protection against all possible disease caused by HPV because of the few uh, precancerous lesions or warts that might occur from the uh, other many types not included in the vaccine. 
So this vaccine works really, really well, it seems. In fact, if you just look at the ability to prevent each type of virus infection that is among the nine types, and it's the most effective vaccine ever developed uh, for any condition or one of the most effective. There are very few vaccines out there that can claim 100% efficacy. But the HPV vaccine is 100% effective when someone's fully immunized against the types in the vaccine. It's a remarkably effective uh, uh, vaccine. It was really a medical breakthrough when it was developed about 20 years ago. CDC and others recommend the vaccine be given routinely to all males and females um, 11 to 12 years of age. And the, actually, the FDA approval uh, it means the vaccine can be used as young as age nine. So why, why give it at such a young age? Well, number one, uh, it is a fact of life that many young people become sexually active at pretty young ages. It's not all that rare at age 12 or 13. It becomes increasingly common in the young teens. And uh, by mid-teens, uh, it's, of course, becoming what amounts to a societal norm. Now, people may agree or disagree with whether that's a good thing sociologically, but it's a fact. And uh, HPV is sexually transmitted, and it's among the most common sexually transmitted infections out there. And so people who become sexually active when they're young tend to be exposed early and to get their HPV infections that might cause them lifelong problems right out of the starting blocks when they start to become sexually active. So the first reason to vaccinate young people is to get them immunized before there's any chance of their becoming sexually active. That's a problem. It's been a problem for some parents uh, who often sort of would like to, I don't want to say put their head in the sand, but are not comfortable with addressing or pretty confident their kids are going to be sexually responsible and not begin early sexual activity. Right. But, you know, it, we, we all had to need to have a realistic slant on uh, life and culture and the influences going on in our kids' lives. And I don't think parents should really make that decision on behalf of their kids. They should take the, the common sense protective step and just, uh, and just do it. The, the second reason for... Uh, youth immunization is that the vaccine is actually biologically most effective the younger you are. So the potency of the vaccine in terms of the actual level of antibody it produces against the virus to prevent infection is higher than it is after you pass your teen years. And so uh, you're, you're not only immunizing people before they become potentially become at risk, but you're also uh, giving them the maximum power of the vaccine to provide lifelong protection. Talk a bit about the safety profile of the vaccine. It is, like almost all vaccines in regular use, extremely safe. The, by far the most common complaints people have about the vaccine is the complaints they have about getting any injection. A little soreness at the injection spot uh, and that sort of thing. On rare occasions, a little bleeding or bruise at the spot or a swelling. That spot can sometimes get a bacterial infection. Those the infection part is really rare. The soreness is common. It's no different and no worse than with influenza vaccine or the other routine childhood vaccines, and it's not an important reason to not take the vaccine. Uh, there is simply no scientific evidence for any other serious or important uh, side effects. So we have some great prevention tools. We know we're legitimate. Um, 
some really great prevention tools we know are legitimate. So let's talk about the websites and the purveyors of products that claim to cure or at least clear HPV and related diseases. Um, the one we're asked about the most is a vaccine available in Mexico that, that people post about and ask us questions about. Um, what can you tell us about this product? I mean, is there any truth about the hype it claims to clear HPV, to take care of precancers and all kinds of things? Well, if it's okay, Fred, I'm going to take a bit of a digression and talk about um, HPV treatment in general. Okay. Whenever there are 10, 15, or 20 different treatments that are offered legitimately by medical resources experts for any particular medical condition, that's typically a sign that the treatments available are not perfect that some work better than others, some may not work at all, and, uh, and there's a lot of individual variation. Just to give you a simplistic but historically accurate and dramatic example, in the days before about 1943 when penicillin first became available, uh, there were many different semi-magical or intended scientific treatments against garden variety pneumococcal pneumonia. It was fatal in 10% of people. It was a bad disease and so on. And there were all kinds of serum therapies and potions and that sort of thing. Penicillin became available, and all of them disappeared in a puff of blue smoke mm. because penicillin was so obviously definitively curative. So the, the first message is when you have five or six different modalities doctors will use in their office and another 10 or 15 that are legitimate scientifically legitimate self-applied therapies and on top of that a whole bunch of things promoted by everything from health food companies to uh to overt quacks uh keep your antennae up for the probability that most of them don't work very well and that's why there are so many of them out there to start so when you see this so, so that, I'll give that as a preamble and let you return to what specific questions you want to talk about this uh, vac supposed vaccine from Mexico. There's a certain amount of legitimate science around MEL1. It's shorthand for a gene that was first found in and derived from melanoma cancer cells. Some of the listeners to this podcast may recognize malignant melanoma as a, as a dangerous form of uh, skin cancer. And as I understand it, MEL1 is a gene, a protein, or maybe a gene, uh, it can actually be both. It can be a gene that produces a protein of the same name okay. uh, that exists in melanoma cells. And now this, as I understand it, an investigator or a group of investigators, uh, especially in Mexico, have developed a theory that a vaccine to this product will help prevent and or limit the growth of HPV and HPV-related disease and provide a treatment option. Okay. So let's talk about the MEL1 vaccine. That's the one in Mexico that a lot of people ask us about. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to know what to say about it. People, you know, people who, who people say anecdotally say, oh, I had it and it just fixed me right up. Um, I don't know. It's it. It's really it's really hard to know how to respond well, to that. What do we know about the vaccine? Is there is there any benefit to it? Should people go there and get it if they're not responding to other treatments? 
There have been no published clinical trials. There are there are some studies within the laboratory that show that it can inhibit certain cancer cell growth. I don't know if there's any evidence against HPV-related cancer cell growth, but even if there is, showing that in the laboratory, which is as far as this product has ever gone, is a giant step away from knowing it would be effective and safe in uh, people. There are probably just, I'm, and I'm not a cancer specialist, so if my numbers turn out to be way off base, the principle is the same. My guess is there are a hundred other, maybe a thousand other uh, products or, or uh, tumor-related genes or antigens that have been identified to which antibodies have been made and in which have been studied to see if they will inhibit those cancer cells in a laboratory dish, and that many of them do that. But almost none of those have actually come to market as a useful product. Now, there may be a few in some certain kinds of cancer that have actually proven their worth uh, uh, along those lines, but certainly none that has any uh, uh, known value. The other thing I would advise people to caution about is that individual testimony by someone who believes that they had such and such an outcome from a particular product, whether it's the MEL1 vaccine or one of the topical agents for genital herpes that in fact doesn't do anything for it, mm. or uh, any of other uh, quack or semi-quack or vitamin regimens that are out there that people use by the millions and billions to treat themselves with various conditions. Uh, it's it's the worst kind of evidence to rely on individual testimony. And the reason is not because people lie. It's because people emphasize those outcomes that are good. So imagine yourself as someone who had this horrible HPV problem. Let's say your pap smear wasn't clearing up as rapidly as normal or your warts weren't responding well to therapy. You get this MEL1 vaccine, and holy cow, three months later your warts are gone. My goodness, this is what cured me. Well, the fact is that those works were probably going to go away anyway. Right. And the ones who went and got the vaccine and in whom it didn't work, how much noise are they making on the Internet? There you go. That's they're, not going, they're not going online to say, oh, I tried this stuff and it didn't work for me. The ones who get the benefit, they're the squeaky wheel that gets the grease and make, gets the grease and uh, and makes the noise. So that, that's why, and, and HPV is an extraordinarily variable disease. Warts pop up out of nowhere, even though the virus was acquired months or years earlier. Uh, other warts go away spontaneously. Pap smears turn abnormal and then become normal without treatment at all. We treat certain ones if they're advanced at a certain stage to assure they won't progress to uh, cancer. Uh, but most of those left alone would in fact do just fine. So if you intervene, I mean, you could give no one vaccine or you could whack the person over the bottom with a paddle <laughs> and and yeah. say, okay, three months later, the problem's gone and that was the cause. Yeah. It, it's, simply not, it's simply not credible evidence and people shouldn't be sucked in by such stories. Next question. People also want to know about supplements and natural remedies for both HPV and usually cervical precancers and cancers. 
I mean, we get questions about supplements, things like active hexose correlated compound, colloidal silver, and just too many things to mention. I mean, there, there's an endless list. Just in general, are there any vitamins, mineral supplements that are recommended to speed along natural immunity with HPV? No, not that, not that's been scientifically documented. This gets into a bit of a gray zone because some of the legitimate treatments, um, sinicatechins, uh, Varigan, right. um, uh, 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 Condulox, uh, are themselves herbal derivatives. They're, they're compounds derived from certain plants that have anti-tumor properties to them. So if someone says they have an herbal product without telling you what the ingredients are, it's possible that if they in fact contain one of the herbal products like podophyllotoxin or sinicatechins, that would in fact have some benefit. But you usually can't tell easily from the online ads and the label. In general, most of these over-the-counter, non-physician prescribed drugs have essentially no data behind them to support how effective they are. And the same business that we talked about when we got to uh, Mel 1 is the same here, that personal testimony and uh, so on is just not very good evidence to rely on. Some people may see that, think they get improvement with us and such, but most of those we're probably going to get better anyway. And uh, and I would say just just be careful. Don't waste your time and money on things that can help. Now, the other thing that people ask about all the time is, well, what if I keep my, I keep my immune system healthy? I work out. I eat a balanced diet. I get a lot of rest. Will that help my immune system clear HPV and warts? And my answer to that question is always that kind of health serves us all. By all means, please pursue that lifestyle. It will, in the long run, do you good. But there is, unfortunately, no evidence that it has any particular effect on HPV per se. Uh, by all means, get rest, get exercise, eat healthy, um, and but don't, don't assume that because you had HPV, if you change your lifestyle to do more exercise or eat more healthy or take vitamins, that you're going to make any difference in that HPV infection. Almost certainly, uh, you are not. The, um, the one thing that's interesting and is not fully understood that does sort of fade into this category, the one lifestyle thing, is that smoking tobacco clearly delays clearance of HPV and apparently increases the progression risk of precancerous lesions toward cancer in pap smears and so on. So don't smoke is a good advice for everybody on a whole bunch of grounds, and it's probably especially good advice for people with HPV. But aside from that, I can't give any optimistic advice about uh, about. Uh, uh, these sorts of approaches. Okay, well that that frames it nicely because you know I mean we we've just heard from so many people who 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 they'll buy like they'll like supplements and things online they'll get them from like other countries and 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 it's just, and they swear by them but I think a lot of it is just it's just they're really looking for something to maybe maybe grasp onto and like you said who knows yeah, even if they had a clearance uh, it may have happened would likely have happened anyway. That's right, and it can be very misleading. If you delve into the information you find online, you'll see claims that research shows X, Y, and Z. But if you delve into that research, you'll almost always find that it's limited to some test tube effect saying this product 
uh, appears to inhibit the growth of HPV cells or something like that. That's a very different thing than putting it onto or into people and documenting that there's a benefit compared with uh, other people who didn't get that particular uh, treatment. So I would say the, the other side of this that's important to realize is to not freak out about HPV too much, and there are effective treatments available. So number one, the large majority of HPV infections are inconveniences and not dangerous health threats. You want to take, you want to get vaccinated to present the high-risk infections to start with. You want to, if you have an abnormal pap smear, for example, you want to get it properly managed. But if you do that, you're not going to die of cancer, and you're not going to uh, have a serious problem with it. Warts are going to go away. They're an inconvenience. And they have sort of a yuck factor, but they're not a bad thing for the most part. They're not going to last forever. And there are legitimate treatments that the physician can apply in the office or prescribe uh, that you can use and that are quite effective. As I've said, with a lot of some work better in some person than the other, so you don't freak out if the first treatment doesn't completely clear it. Talk to your doctor about using something else. But going through the traditional medical pathway of talking to a doctor who knows about these infections, getting her advice, and following through is going to be far more efficient, both in terms of people's emotional energy and fears and ultimately pocketbook, than trying these these uh, off-the-grid sorts of new things right. that seem high-tech but are misleading. Perfect. Dr. Hunter Hansfield, thank you so much for your time today. I, I, I'm glad that we could spend some time talking about these. I think it's long overdue, and I'm sure we'll be calling on you again, sir. More pestering in your future from me. Okay. I look forward to it, Fred. Uh, have a good day. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone who downloads and listens to this podcast. We'll have more to come, so check back often. We're online at ashasexualhealth.org. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at InfoAsha and be our friend on Facebook. Until next time, this is Fred Wine for ASHA. So long, everybody.